Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Coming to you since 1997 on KKUP Radio with over 250 guests and still going strong in their 12th year of weekly broadcasting, the International Taz and Paula Show brings to you expansive, engaging, and groundbreaking intensity on radio and now on the Internet airwaves today. Listen live every Thursday or visit Embracing Mother Earth's archives, exclusive articles, Ask questions and receive actual answers from guests anytime at TazAndPaulaShow.com. Taz and Paula's special guests are experts coming from all walks of life, energizing our lives with a passion that inspires and teaches us with each of their compelling personal life journeys, with roots from ancient wisdom and bridging it with modern science. We hope today's show touches the wisdom of your heart. And now... Taz and Paula. Well, good morning out there, everyone. We have a great show again today. Do you really listen to your heart? If so, just what is it saying to you here lately? Our wonderful guest today is Howard Martin. He's one of the original leaders who helped Doc Childry found Heart Math in 1991. He has been instrumental in the business development and in delivering HeartMath's practical yet dynamic programs to tens and thousands of participants worldwide. On our program, we talk about the HeartMath program often because it opens up and embraces so many new exciting ways that are coming to the forefront that will change the very way we nurture ourselves as well as others. You are now listening to the Taz and Paula Show, and I'm Paula. And I'm Taz. Good morning, Paula. Good morning. Excuse me. Howard Martin has conducted training programs and keynote presentations in Fortune 100 companies, government agencies, all four branches of the U.S. military, school systems, ecumenical organizations, and through publicly promoted events in over 50 cities on four continents. He is the co-author, The Heart Math Solution, author of The Heart Math Method, an audio learning program published by Nightingale Conant, and producer of two award-winning musical recordings, including Doc Shildre's uh, Heart Zones, which spent... 50 consecutive weeks on Billboard magazine's music charts. Wow. Well, today we are talking about the Global Coherence Initiative, which is one of many care and compassion initiatives taking place on the planet. Each year, an increasing number of groups and online communities are radiating compassion and care to the planet in these times of need. 
we and others feel that these collective heart-based initiatives, rather than being a trend, represents the proactive consciousness platform of the future in which individuals and communities take responsibility for shaping a new world by increasing love, care, and compassion for the global whole. And I really feel lucky to be alive right now. It's a great time. Well, Howard, last week we had Greg Braden with us, and he was so excited that we were going to have you with us today, and so are we. Uh, We can't sit still just imagine what is taking place here. The Global Coherence Initiative is a science-based co-creative project to unite people in a heart-focused care and intention. Uh, Now, I I read somewhere that uh, Jack Canfield said, the Global Coherence Initiative is perhaps the greatest experiment in the history of the world, and I agree. You must be so excited to be a part of this, Howard. We're so excited to have you with us. Welcome. Well, thank you very much, Paul and Taz. I am excited about the Global Coherence Initiative and excited to be with both of you today. Thanks so much for having me. Um, it's great to be on a show like yours. Well, Howard, what does, um, what, let's talk a little bit about uh, heart coherence. Just what does this mean? Well, you know, I guess many of your listeners know a little bit about heart math. We're an organization that's been around over 20 years now based in Northern California, and what we've been sort of famous for is really bringing about a new understanding of this concept that's been around for since we've been here called heart and really characterizing heart in a new way, in a modern context, in a 21st century context, so that we can use it more, so we can bring it more into our daily lives and use it to uh, to come up with solutions to the many challenges that we face today, both personally and, and globally. And along the way, we've done a lot of scientific research understanding the heart even at the physiological level and how it sends powerful healing commands to the brain and to the rest of the body and you know showing that the heart is really much more than a blood pump it's it's really an information processing center that exists within us when we map all this out and we delve down into it through years and years of research we've been able to identify a state called heart coherence which is a state where at the physical level heart brain and body are all synchronized all communicating in the proper way. Less energy is wasted. Uh, all the body systems synchronized to the master rhythm maker, the heart. And so we enter this high-performance physiological state called heart coherence. The other side of that is the psychological part of heart coherence. It is a state that is uh, triggered by positive emotions. You know, when, when Paulo and, and Taz, when you and I are feeling things like care and compassion and love and appreciation, things like that, our system naturally goes more into this this heart coherent state. And it's also a state that once we're there, these emotions come easier to us, and we experience them more regularly, uh, more consistently. Then our worldview changes, a view of ourselves, a view of others, a view of everything that's going on looks very, very different in the heart coherent state. Taken further, I will say, it, you know, and that's science. We can show all that scientifically through the, the large body of research we've done, but I'll take my science hat off for a minute and say that That heart-coherent state is really the state we're in when spirit merges with our humanness, when we tag more into what people call spirit or universal source, things like that, when that becomes more part of our daily experience. It's through the heart-coherent state that that happens. It's a very aware state. It's a very alive state. We get there naturally in many ways through the prayers, meditations, affirmations and things that we do, you know, the walk on the beach, the walk in the woods, playing with our children, playing with our dog, all that 
uh, all those things can engender the, the heart coherent state. What we do at HeartMath, however, is we train people to really be able to go there you know, when they want to go there, not just when they're walking on the beach, but to really be able to activate that state you know, on, on demand. And it's not just a sleepy time or meditative state. It's very visceral, very alive, very aware, very connected to everything that's going on inside ourselves and with others. So it's a long answer to your little question, but, but I wanted to lay it out uh, so that people got a great sense of what we're talking about here when we talk about coherence. Well, it sounds well, like, you know, some area where we're we're actually right in the moment, just paying attention to where we are every with our thoughts every moment. Um, that's pretty powerful. It do is. You teach pe- do you teach people if they become um, excited about something or upset about something, uh, is there a technique that you can use to bring you back to the center and calm yourself down instead of getting into that emotional state? Well, that's one of the greatest utilities of heart coherence is giving us the ability to better regulate our emotions. And that's something that's not as sexy as certain things we could talk about on shows like this, but it's <laughs> it's down to that. You know, it's like how do we translate, you know, all that's going on in our lives today and all the facilitation that's coming in through this year of the 2012, where does that always land? It, it lands back at, you know, at how we feel. And the ability to regulate our emotions is essential in that entire process. It's a missing step in many cases of not having enough emphasis on that in our spiritual pursuits and what we really want to achieve. So, yeah, we have techniques, lots of them. The whole heart math system is is based is made up of really methods, techniques, and even technology to facilitate heart coherence. And we teach it in lots of mainstream places like major Fortune 100 companies and big healthcare systems, even the U.S. military. And we teach it to individuals through our heart mastery courses, which are courses you can take uh, from your house, you know, a combination of things you listen to online and live discussion groups. But we do a lot all around the world training hundreds of thousands of people in these type of uh, practices. But, yeah, techniques that shift quickly from one emotion to the other, especially when we find ourselves in an upset place, when we're stressed, when we're feeling down, when we're feeling sad, when we're feeling just a general sense of anxiety or anxiousness, which I find many people are experiencing right now just because there's so much coming in. The techniques we have are designed exactly for that sort of thing, to give us the ability to choose different emotions that promote health and well-being and open our consciousness up to really receive more. And I don't think we are aware of how much uh, we affect the uh, our community around us or our planet when we're in this stage of anxiety where we can, as one individual, how much we affect. Well, we do. You know, you mentioned in in the introduction, Greg Braden was on your show, you know, last week, and Greg and I are very close. We've we've known each other for a long time, and we do work together. And, you know, for any of you that have ever seen Greg speak, you know, he, he has an amazing way of communicating, and he talks about lots of different things. And I was working with him. We were doing an event together somewhere a few years ago, and he got down to the very end of his presentation, and he said something that I thought was a summary of everything he'd said up to that point. (laughs) (laughs) And he said this, and I always use it now. He said, we all live in a field of energy that's reflecting back to us, not just what we think in our minds, but what we feel in our hearts. What he's saying is that we do live in this connected field, and I believe that. Some new science is now showing that we live in a vast web of, of energetic connections with all living things, not only on this planet but far beyond. And that through that energetic connection, we, re, we we affect one another. 
And what we're thinking, and especially what we're feeling, the emotions that we have, are imprinting the field environment, our immediate field environment, the one we have within ourselves, and then the one that's in our immediate physical location. But beyond that, it goes far, far beyond that into uh, fields that you know that connect in different ways, not just in the, the way we see it through Newtonian physics. And so, everything we think, everything we feel, everything we do has it has a um, an imprint that's contributing in some way to the consciousness field. So one of the questions that I ask myself all the time, daily and throughout the day, is in any given moment, what am I feeding the field? What am I imprinting it with? Am I griping and groaning and complaining and processing something about you know an email that I didn't like? Or am I appreciating the fact that I'm alive right now, that I have this wonderful job with heart math and the ability to... to to have opportunities like right now in this very moment of being on a show with you, what am I imprinting the field with? I have a choice. And so I constantly try to, to choose to imprint that field with something that I think will have a benefit to others with the knowingness that it's going to reflect something back to me. Howard, let me well, ask you, what was there in in your life how did you um, begin this journey that you're presently on? Was there a particular incident that that opened up to you, that brought you into this field, or what, what really took place for you? Well, it was a cumulative process. It wasn't for me any just big giant thing like I was sitting in my house one day and a cloud came down and you know uh, gave me a message. It was, it was definitely hard work, stepping stone process. Sure, just like for any of us, there were. You know, were important moments along the way. I think meeting Doc Childry, the founder of HeartMath, that was an important moment for me because for 40 years now he's been my friend and, and my mentor and, and has contributed to my life in unimaginable ways through his care. So meeting him was an important thing. One of the big turning points for me, you know, at least 10 years after I met him, was when I left my career in music to pursue my spiritual growth. And I had a fairly successful career in music, and I reached a point where I recognized my awareness was moving in a different direction. And it it wasn't like I had one moment of that. It was years of me sort of having that in the background, knowing that, but not having the courage to act on it. And I finally got to a point with Doc's guidance. He was important in that process of recognition that I could continue in the music career or I could back away from that and I could put, you know, put, put myself in a position to do more for myself in terms of my spiritual growth and then take what I got back from that without knowing what that would be. And that was a that was a hard step to make when you have that identity and you're caught up in the glamour and it's all you know. You've done it since a very young young person and now you're in your early 30s and that's been your whole life and that's your identity and that's where your friends are and that's where your ego attachments are and all of that. And to back away from that, knowing that you had to do it because it was the right thing to do, but not knowing what it was going to produce was a hard choice. But I made that choice, and I would have to say that was a very, very important choice for me. And the moment of that choice was uh, still stands out, as you can probably hear in my voice right now, many, many years later, as something that I recognize as was a major turning point or hinge point or fork in the road for me in terms of, of what unfolded in my life. Well, I'm sure you're um, able to use your a musical ability in, at heart math because music is such a part of uh, for me at least um, of calming my emotions down and, and, and so I'm sure that you're using it in some form in heart math 
Well, you know, a long time ago we did produce music for Doc, and you mentioned it in the intro, it got on the Billboard charts. But i tell you how it really translated. It translated into performance, because when I wrote The Heart Mass Solution with Doc Children and it became a successful book, it launched a speaking career for me. And so what happened then is that my performance background translated into my speaking. So the way I approach speaking is very, very genuine, very sincere, but I'm not standing behind a podium. It's a, it's a performance. It's a combination of entertainment and education that I try to blend together, and that all came from the years in the music business. So what happened was is it transferred itself and morphed itself into something different. So now I'm still on a stage, but I don't have musical instruments around me, and I'm not part of a band. <laughs> <laughs> but that, I bet at the beginning that was frightening because the band and the instruments were you know, supporting you. Now you're up there by yourself. Yeah, I've always loved the stage there. <laughs> so, yeah, at first it was a little hard, you know, in the beginning, but then I got used to it, and then it was like, great, I don't have to mess with the band. Yeah. <laughs> uh-huh. Now, you, you, uh, the Global Coherence Initiative, have, they have monitors um, throughout the, wor- the, the world. How did that begin? I mean, how did you, um, how did HeartMath, decide or begin with the monitor, and how did that all come about? Yeah, well, the Global Coherence Initiative is a part of HeartMath. People can go to the glcoherence.org website and take a look at everything that's there. I'll explain briefly what it is. It's just a membership organization where membership is free. You just put in your email address and the password. You become a member, and you get access to all kinds of really cool things and information and features within the website and all of that. It was our effort, really, uh, Paul and Taz, to say, okay, we, we've worked so hard with HeartMath from the bottom up, doing all these training programs and working very in very mainstream societies and things like that, but what can we do energetically to make our contribution now to the world through these changing times that we're, that we're in? And so, like many organizations, there are people coming together. They're doing meditations. They're doing, you know, basically heart-focused work or work of a various various kinds to bring about change and to facilitate people through through the times that we live in now, which can be difficult for a lot of people. So we wanted to do our part in that. So we formed the organization to do that. We wanted to make sure that people understood that it didn't have to mean you got involved in heart math, per se, to be part of the Global Coherence Initiative. We also felt like we could offer some information there about heart coherence and some simple techniques we could, we could offer for free, some teleseminars and webinars and things that we've done in order to to give people that option if they wanted it so they could you know, look at it from a heart-centric point of view. But we wanted to make sure that everybody understood that they could bring whatever belief system that they had that worked for them and that that was all honored and then all accepted within the context of the Global Coherence Initiative. So today we have about 45,000 members. There, They've come from 88 different countries. And um, I will bring the science piece in a second, answer your question about monitors, but I would like to to, 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 to bring up one other thing if I could. Mm-hmm. Um, sure. There's a part of the website called the Care Focus Room. That's a part we built on the site where we uh, embedded a globe into the website, beautiful globe of our Earth. And I know, you know Mother Earth is uh, important to you and to the context of your show. So we have this beautiful Earth, and it's got a, a technology built into it that when you go into the Care Focus Room, it identifies your internet provider address, which doesn't mean your house. It means you know where your internet provider is, which is generally near near where you live. 
And people go there to, to join together and to be able to see, you know, where others are. You see a little little gold light on the globe when where the person is that's logged in. And we have exercises and things people do there and focuses we recommend of what they focus on to help facilitate, you know, positive change in the world. So I just pulled it up while we're on our show today and I'm looking at it now. And there, you know, as we speak, you know, in this show, there's 31 people in there. Not a lot of people, but what's interesting is this. I'm clicking on the little lights, and it tells me where they are. So here I have one from Saqqara, Turkey. I have another one here from Attica, Greece. Here's one from, I'm clicking on the little lights is what I'm doing, Switzerland. Now I switch over here, and I've got someone from Argentina. I've got someone from... Let's see, I'm clicking the lights here. Uh, these are Brazilians. I've got people all over the United States that make up this 31 people. So what's happening right now as we're talking is that we have people in the care focus room from around the world who are there for the reason of putting out their heart care and focus and intention towards creating a better world. And I think that's cool. And I love to pull yeah. this globe up and look at it and say, wow, look at this. As, you know, We're on the show right now. We're talking here, but... There's someone in Turkey. There's someone in Greece. There's someone in Switzerland. There's someone in Brazil and Argentina and Mexico and, you know, Cleveland, you know. We're all together now doing some sort of heart-focused work, and I, I love that part of the whole deal. I did that earlier this morning. Yeah? There were, yes. There was 48 on there when I was on at the same time I was on. So Isn't that cool to be incredible. able to go on there and see that, you know? Yeah. It's incredible. But the science part, and I'll go back to the monitoring site. So, you know, heart math, again, we have a scientific component. We've never been trying to take the heart out of heart by doing science. We just realized when we started heart math 20-some years ago that we had to use some modern tools. Otherwise, it's just another philosophical system based on heart out of California, you know. And we wanted to have a more uh, we wanted to have more, more, more impact than what we could do if we just did it the way it had been done before. So we started doing the science part of what, what we have here. Now, when we get to the Global Coherence Initiative, here's what happened. We've always wondered about the effects of human beings on the Earth's energetic fields. We know that the Earth has these fields. We know from other research that the fields impact us. It's been well documented. More research is ongoing with that now, but we know changes in the Earth's geomagnetic field, for instance, or the ionosphere have been linked to major changes in human behavior, you know, the cycles of change you can see from uh, activity in these fields can be linked to everything from the start and ending of wars to down to health issues, traffic accidents, all kinds of things are linked to these fields. So a woman came to us named Dr. Elizabeth Rosher, who was a NASA scientist uh, at one time, a very famous one, astrophysicist, who developed the technology with her husband looking at changes in the ionosphere which is one of the Earth's energetic fields. And she did it for the reason of tracking um, seismic activity. Her belief was, and she proved it to be true, that there were changes occurring in the ionosphere prior to, prior to an earthquake or a volcanic, volcanic activity. And so she wanted to know, do we have any interest in this? Her husband had died, and she, had, she didn't know where to go with the technology, and she brought it to us. Our researchers looked at it, recognized there was a lot of potential there that they could take that technology and further develop it if they wanted to. But they asked her an important question. They asked Dr. Rosher if she believed that human emotion had a relationship or impact on the energetic fields of the earth. And her answer was, yes, she did believe that, and she had always believed it, ever since she was a young girl. 
and that she would welcome the opportunity for her technology to be then transferred into another application in addition to the one she originally had. So our researchers have taken this technology and they've furthered it, you know, further, developed it further. And we have started to develop a global coherence monitoring system which will comprise of about 12 of these sensor sites placed strategically around the world to look at changes in the Earth's energetic fields and to do experiments to see if a hypothesis would be true. The hypothesis being mass human emotion, whether positive or negative, can have a measurable impact on the Earth's energetic fields, the Earth itself. So to date, we have three of the sensor sites up and working and inputting data back to our labs. We have a site in Northern California where we're located in the Santa Cruz Mountains. We have a site in England, in the south of England. We have a site in Saudi Arabia. We are putting a site in very, very soon in New Zealand. Another one is going in in northern Canada. We have a site that will be going into South Africa, and we just received funding for another site, which will determine where that may need to go. So what we're doing is building a land-based, ground-based system studying the Earth's energetic fields, and that has never been done before. So the goal is is really, you know, can we look at the at how we, the human race, all seven billion of us, can we look at what we're doing, what we're thinking, what we're feeling, and what impact that may have on the earth? And if it does have an impact, and we can measure that, and again, there's a lot of research that has to be done for this to be proven, and it can't be done in a casual way. We can't be too phenomenalistic about this. We have to do it through the rigors of empirical science for it to be really valid. But if that hypothesis is true, then we can begin to harness the collective emotion through things like coherence building techniques and other practices people do and use it to have influences on the Earth's energetic fields that in turn would have positive benefit to society and to the unfoldment of consciousness on the planet. And that is why Jack Canfield has said this is perhaps the greatest experiment in the history of the world. Mm. Howard, now, what about uh, are you able to... Um, with the equipment itself, does it go into the ground? I mean, how do you get the vibration off of the, off the earth in that particular area? I mean, is there technology that goes in the ground, or what? What what's happening? Yeah, that's a great question. Actually, there are sensors that go into the earth, into the ground. Um, there are three of them that they're triangulated so that they're picking up, you know, um, a triangulation of. Of the Earth's energetic field from that point. So, what they're measuring is not like just straight up over the sensor site. It would be like an arc covering a certain area of the fields. So, each one of the 12 would cover a piece of the Earth's fields, an arc of the field. So, if you had 12 and they're strategically located, it doesn't mean on an exact spot but within a general region, then what you end up with is you end up with a composite. You, you put all these together and you've got a picture of all of the Earth's. It surrounds the entire Earth of the fields of the ionosphere and the and geomagnetic fields. And then you can begin to look at the data and see what's coming back in and what changes are occurring in those fields. So we see changes all the like time. A, I'm sorry. Are we are we able to um, ourselves go on your website? Are we able to look at what uh, what's happening in, in the pulsation on, on the Earth uh, where you have the sensors presently? And will we be able to do this in the future? Will we be able to look um, how everybody is um, um, operating and feeling <laughs> in the area that they're located? 
mm-hmm. will you have that kind of technology available for us? Yeah, right now what we have is you know, we have a, you can go there and you can see data coming from the sensor sites. It's not in what you call real time. It's posted every day. So I'm looking right now at um, at what's what's happening. You know, um, on yesterday on the 13th, I can look at a there and see see a, a, a spectrogram of that of changes occurring in the fields and. Eventually, yes, what we'll have is the ability to look at all of it and begin to, to, to observe things. If you're not a scientist, it doesn't mean much. It's just pretty colors on the screen as I look at it, you know, <laughs> seeing modulations and changes in there. But it's kind of cool to look and say, wait a minute, it looked like there was more activity that day than the other day. For example, I'm looking at, um, looks like around the ninth or whatever, it looks like during that day there was less activity coming into the into those sensors. Um, what does that mean? Who knows, you know. That's the point our researchers make to me is that there are so many things influencing the fields naturally. You know, solar radiation, for example, day and night's another example. You know, cosmic radiation, all kinds of things are constantly impacting these fields. So we don't know at this point whether it's us that's doing it or whether it's something natural. Even the wind. Something on the website. uh, Excuse me. Uh, Even on the website, you had a um, a monitor of what took place before 9-11 and the sound of the earth at that time. So I was questioning, in a way, um, this, do you hear this sound on the, on the monitors you have available for people that presently they can listen to it in any way? Uh, well, we have, we have a recording of some sounds we've taken from it. It's just... You know, it says listen to the earth. It's right there on the site. You'll see it a lot of places on the site. And it's just, it doesn't sound like much. I mean, you know, when you listen to it, it's, it's an interesting sound, but it's just um, it's something, it's a recording of a sound. It's not actual live sound at that time. And the graphs you're alluding to are not, you know, when we looked at 9-11 data, that's data we went back and found. It didn't come from us. It actually came from space weather satellites. Didn't that happen just before, I mean, they saw the monitor start to go up before 9-11 actually happened. It was like an intuitive feeling from people before it even happened. Yeah, there were two things, two data points that we were able to go back and get. One was from another project with a, with a gentleman that we were associated with, Dr. Roger Nelson, who has the Global Coherence Project. And he uses what's called random number generators, RNGs. An RNG was something that researchers used for statistical analysis. It's basically a little computer that's just churning out randomly you know, numbers and symbols, and he was using it for that for those type of things years ago. He's at Princeton University, but he noticed that sometimes the random number generator it would become less random. He didn't know why, so he began to think: Could this be? Could it be being affected by me or by humans or by the environment here? And so he set up a a network of these around the world. And over a long period of time now, he's been seeing that these things will change. And he's been able to correlate changes in that network to where there's less randomness in the network at specific times when things of importance are going on in in society. One day he came into his lab and he saw, you know, the biggest jump he'd ever seen in the history of his network before or since, and it was at 9-11. And there's never been anything like it. What he noticed was is that the random number generators began to change two hours before the planes actually hit a tower. Now, it's an interesting observation. The only downside to that is that nobody still can understand how in the world those random number generators could be being affected by us or by mass human emotion. That that connection cannot be proven yet. 
So the correlation between events and the changes in the random number generator are fascinating. Fascinating to me and to many people. But the causal effect, we can't make that we can't make that link yet. Nobody knows how that could be true. The other data point was the was the space weather satellites I mentioned. They're run by the U.S. government. They're in geosynchronous orbits above both sides of, of, our, of our country. And they're looking at solar winds and space weather of all kinds, cosmic radiation, a lot of things. They also look back down onto the planet and look at the power in the geomagnetic field. And what we see, uh, and we got this data from their website. This is not secret data or anything. You can, you can go to the, to the you know, National Oceanographic uh, and Aeronautic Administration website and see this, these, these kind of graphs. But we found one. We went back and looked and said, oh, my God, look at this. And right at 9-11, right at 9 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, 9-11, the, the field just increased power dramatically and stayed in a more dynamic and energetic and powerful state in the days after 9-11. Now, does that prove anything? The answer to that is no, it doesn't. And the reason it doesn't is we're looking back at information. There was no scientific experiment going on at 9-11, right? It was an event that occurred and you're looking back and you're seeing that there was a change. I will say that the scientists who look at this data cannot see any reason why it would have changed because of something that was going on with the sun or, or, or factors like that. So it implies that something occurred uh, in us that day when it was so emotionally significant that it created a change in the field. That can't be stated as complete truth, but it's an interesting observation. And those kind of things excite me. So what we're doing with the Global Coherence Initiative is if these things are true and these are indicators, if we do this right and we do it over time and people are patient with us, then maybe we can do scientific experiments that prove this, that not just uh, hypothetically, but give it concretized empirical understanding that we, in fact, as a global society, are impacting the Earth's energetic fields. I was thinking well, of watching people meditate. I mean, it's like... Um, you know, if if it were set up that, I don't know, I, I think of this connection between 9-11 maybe that everybody's heart just opened up to everyone else and maybe the fields just stayed open in some format. And, and I'm, we're so close now and what's taking place on our earth and altering, you know, um, our feelings and our heart and our mind and our spirit, I'm wondering if that will magnify during this period of time that we're that um as we go toward the 2012 and um wondering how that might be affected and maybe meditation with everybody to help everybody more easily um um you know uh flow into this perspective that we're going to and do it you know together in a together fashion <laughs> Well, on the site, uh, it's mentioned about Venus transit and how the planets are right now. So it's, it's as though it's an easier time to be able to do all of this. Yeah, there's a lot of change going on. A lot of influences coming from outside and a lot of changes going on in people. So, yeah, people are meditating. They're praying. They're putting a lot of energy out. You know, if nothing else, 2012 is providing a context for focus. People are focusing more now because they see it as an opportunity based on all the planetary alignments and Mayan calendar predictions and things like that. So it's a, it's a time of focus. 
What I see happening is it's an acceleration in consciousness. The vibratory rate in consciousness is increasing dramatically. Now, there's upsides and downsides to that. It can create a lot of chaos, a lot of confusion, a lot of anxiety, a lot of, you know, a lot of things go down like that. It, it pushes things to the surface. So we're liable to see you know, a lot more distortion in societal context during these times as well. On the other hand, I think it's, it's a time when we can grow more and change more and instate more of what we know more than any time we've ever had since there's been a world. So it's, a, it's an opening of great opportunity and also a time of great chaos. It becomes a matter of choice. Do we open our hearts and embrace it? Do we contribute to it that way, or do we buy into the downsides? Do we identify with what comes up for us, and do we make that significant, and do we look across the, the, the landscape of society and get extremely upset and down when we see things going you know, in different directions? Um, you know, I was looking at the news right before we came on the show. I was waiting for you guys to come on, and this popped up the CNN site, and I see where in Egypt, you know, the, it looks like whatever election they had over there after the whole Arab Spring, that now the military's come in and said, "Well, you know, we're not going to we're not going to validate this election." You know, well, what's my identity with that? You know, do I say, "Well, yeah, I knew it," and uh, you know, things are not going to change for these people or whatever? Or I just see it as a modulation in things that are going on, a natural progression of what it takes to to make change, recognizing the old always hangs on, doesn't want the new to come in. There's usually some some rock and roll that goes on back and forth between all that and a process. So it depends on how we see it. So if if I look at that one, one event as, oh, my God, this is a problem, or do I look at it as just put a little heart and love out that way, let's just facilitate this, maybe see if we can slide it through and help um, the changes that the society is trying to go through go more easily by recognizing the obvious is that things don't happen like that overnight and there's always back and forth that goes on. Well, during that instance, we could go into the care room and meditate and send love and um, harmony to that area of the world. That's right. And then if our hypothesis is right, it could actually be creating a change in the energetic field in that region that then feeds back down into the, to the, to the, the, the hearts and minds of the people there that begins to change perception and behavior and attitude. And it's a big leap right now. But that's where we're trying to go with this, to see if that's true or not. And if that's true, then the more we do that, the more we know we are conscious co-creators in, in creating this new world, whether we're part of an organization or not, that we do it through the power and intelligence of our heart. I want, I want to back up a little bit um, to um, Japan when they had the tsunami. You had your monitors up during that time. What did you see? I mean, I don't know. Um, I didn't see a report on any of that. I don't know that we would have seen anything uh, necessarily because you know it's. Um, first of all, we didn't have a, a monitor in that region anywhere over in, in Asia anywhere, so I don't know that we'd have seen okay. anything there. But certainly, you know, there's always going to be an outpouring of emotion when something like that happens, and uh, I don't know of any correlation, particularly that we saw to that with our data information. Uh, that would relate to anything, or Roger Nelson's uh, system. I'm not aware of anything there. Well, hopefully in the future we'll be able to um, see when an earthquake or a volcano or a tsunami is coming from the monitors. Well, that was what Elizabeth Rosher originally intended for it to do, and I understand that you know, at 80% of the times when she had a sensor uh, set up within 100 miles of a uh, seismic activity, she detected it before it happened, sometimes as far as two weeks before it happened. You know, with all the planet poles that are going on right now, 
we had anticipated earthquakes, you know, and from the plants pulling on the earth, but it's not happening. I'm I'm just wondering if it's because of what we are doing, because of our prayers and our love that we're sending out. Maybe we're softening the blow to the planet. I believe we are. I believe we have. You know, what's interesting, I was asked this question a couple of weeks ago. I was speaking up at an event, uh, Sun Valley Wellness Festival in Idaho. After I got through, some, some ladies were talking to me, and they asked me that same question. They said, do you think that we've, you know, that we're in a position now where we've sort of, you know, made it made it through a transition, we just haven't become aware of it yet? And I believe we have. I think we've actually crossed the line. I think there's been enough done that we've avoided an apocalyptic scenario. There's too many people, many, many millions around the world who've made some shifts within themselves, who have a different set of values, who really value things from a new context, and who put their heart and their care into it. And they really are behaving differently and acting differently. And I think that we've we've crossed some lines there to where we have avoided some disasters just through what we've already done. Now, we've got more to do, a lot more to do, and we've got more challenges in front of us. But I do believe that you're right. We have buffered this some. We have taken some of the edges off of it so that there's things we still have to adjust, uh, the things that have to be adjusted on the planet. Mother Earth herself has to make adjustments. But we have done some things there that really have counted. And I think that, that you know, if we look back and we begin to see it over the shoulder a little bit, uh, we can recognize that, oh, my God, it could have been a lot worse. And we have avoided some serious disasters along the way here. If more come, then that's okay. But we've, I think we've already bypassed some things that were, that could have been much, much harder on, on the world. And I get chills when we talk about that. So yeah. I'm, <laughs> I feel that it is so true. You know, they have track. Go ahead. Excuse me. Go ahead. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to call and talk over you. Um, I I was questioning, um, and I don't have any particular incident, but I think um, some people have had surgeries where they have actually had another um, organ placed into their body from an individual in their thoughts. Um, were different in certain areas um, they could feel or they thought differently and they they could then they had prior to the body part entering their their body and <clears throat> i you know you see this kind of on a little scale within one individual this happening, and now we're looking at our um our feelings and our heart, and they say that our heart's like a, our our brain, actually. Um, and it's going out into the atmosphere and making some alterations. It's it's like the vibrations within our bodies are are you know wanting more to bring more of a heartfelt situation into the planet. So I see that it not I mean I see it growing and I and I think that everybody is beginning to feel this this increased um energy of of love on the planet. Um they talk about it every day. So uh, and 
I'm wondering if your instruments pick any part of this up at all. In our area, maybe, specifically, you're able to watch this on a scale. Do you see any movement at all? Well, I think you're right about what you're perceiving. No, there's no technology yet that can measure that. And that's why I'm very careful in, in interviews and things like today to say, you know, it's a wish that all of us have, and we all want that sort of validation and that proof. Today, you know, there's nothing that I know of out there that can actually begin to measure that acutely what's going on in the relationship of what consciousness can do within regards to the field. However, I think it's coming. That's the good news. And I, I used the term, um, a word re- a few minutes ago, said if, if people will be patient. And the reason patience is necessary is that, you know, there's too much at stake to do research that we that that, that tries to be, uh, say, phenomenalistic and say, well, we saw this thing happen on our monitor and therefore we think this was, was occurred in our region because of some event that happened. That would be hard to, hard to do and hard to say. And it could be disputed so easily by mainstream uh, science. If we take our time and we build it piece by piece and put together the story in a way and show that the connection between one experiment to another is you know is leading to a new understanding, et cetera, and we do it right, at the end of the day, if we if this proves to be true and we have to approach it neutrally, that's the way science is done, but if it proves to be true, think about that. It would create a paradigm shift in understanding, a big one. Biofeedback that would yeah. be incredible. <laughs> I, I wonder if blow, people can blow our minds. Are, <laughs> are you able to to get groups of people together to work and be able to feel in a smaller area to work with this kind of thing? Here's what: Yes, they're happening all over the world, all over the, all the country, really. And with heart math, what we believe is this: is that the heart coherent state is a very powerful state. It's efficient. It's it's, it's like a laser versus diffused light. So it doesn't take a large number of people to have a dynamic effect on things. A small number of people operating at a higher degree of coherence can have more impact than a large number of people that are just being in a nice sweet place, for example. And so there are groups and things that are forming all around the country that are doing this sort of thing and around the world, excuse me, but there are lots and lots of people, and um, they're using meditation practices for the most part, but they're radiational in nature, and that's the important thing about it. Radiate that heart out. Radiate whatever you're radiating you know, into the field environment, and it can have an effect. And I think we're all realizing that. We we know that inside ourselves. We've experienced enough of it in our lives that we get it, you know, and we're looking now for some validation, some verification HeartMath is doing all all we can to to provide that over time and and drawing together pieces of information from others as we go that begin to to tell the story. But I think in our hearts, in our intuitive knowingness, we kind of already know that it's happening. Uh, I believe the science helps us because when something can be shown through science, it just adds an empirical side to it and makes it feel more solid. But in our hearts, and I think within the, the hearts of the listeners right now today, we we kind of know this already, and so whether we get the validation or not, the main thing that I would suggest for me and for you or for anybody is that we work on taking the next levels within ourselves, finding those places inside where we still need to complete some things out and not making it overly significant or a big deal or some big heavy work we have to do, but just taking a look at the places in our lives where we need to fill in some gaps. And as we do that, we're going to be rewarded big time and quickly. 
And when we do, then what that happens is not only do our lives get better, and they will, it gives us the ability to be better conscious co-creators in this shift process so that whatever we put out through our through our, our meditations, prayers, and intentions, it has more impact. So the key is not so much whether we measure it or not right now, although that's headed in the right direction. To me, the key is really uh, us doing our own part to say how can we be a better person tomorrow than we were today and how much can we do through the power of our own heart and our own love to support the shift as it goes down. That's the key. And as we as that increases, it's going to open the door, I think, for more of the type of intelligence needed to get the science done, to be able to measure it and to prove some things that you know, I think people really want uh, to have validation on. But in the meantime, let's just go for it. Have fun with it. Uh, we already believe it. Just take it one more level of, uh, of belief within our systems and then do what we can to facilitate change. Now, when we go in on the, into the care room, uh, yeah. on, do they have special events that emphasize one thing to work on? Sometimes we do synchronous events where we'll have a time when we ask people to come together. A lot of times we do that around the, the free webinars that we do. But what we do each month is we have a... We have a monthly care focus, and we choose something uh, that's going on in the world that we feel like would be important to support right now. Um, And we ask the members, we say to the members, of course, please choose whatever you want, whatever feels right to you, so we leave that completely open-ended for people. And at the same time, we make a suggestion. Now, we do that once a month regardless, and we do it usually around the time of the full moon. If, however, something big comes up, you know, like a tsunami or something, you know, those types of events. And we obviously come together very quickly. We put a message out immediately, and we ask people to start doing that. Um, What we're doing this month, for example, what we did at the last full moon, um, we're asking people to to put that, to radiate coherent love, care, and compassion to help dissipate some of the clouds in the the energetic density, you know, uh, that we're just experiencing in general. Uh, so it wasn't focused on one specific thing. There's a lot of energy going down in the world right now. There's a, a lot of density that's happening in general that a lot of the societal problems sort of feed off of and flow out of. So what we're asking people to do this month is just radiate into that energetic field environment of the planet and try to dissipate some of the density that's there. So we have a, a lock, what we call a, a heart focus activity. It's a density dissipation exercise that we have in there where we have uh, you can you can listen to an audio version of it where someone is reading it to you or you can read it yourself and do it but basically we we generalize it this month but very often we'll focus on a specific need uh, where we see a, a a problem that's really exacerbating we focus for example on situations in the past in the middle east we focused on natural disaster situations we focused on um impending hurricanes and things like that. So we, we, we general, generally uh, line it up with something that we feel from our own observations and intuition would be appropriate for the times. And in this last one, with all that energy coming down through super full moons and you know Venus transits and all that, we just felt like let's just take this energy and just try to blow out some of the density that is in generally being created on the planet today. So uh, we want to give out to our listening audience your uh the website where you actually have the care room sure and it's it's www.glcoherence.org yeah and if you're at a computer now and you're listening 
go there and register. It's kind of fun. I'm looking at the site now. On the very on the home page, there's a little member counter that updates every time somebody joins, and we clean it up all the time for people that unsubscribe or whatever. And right now, it says 44,181 members. So as you join, those numbers go up, and you can actually see it. Uh, you can look at it every day and see. And once you're there, then you can go into all and become a member. You get to the care focus room and all the other really nice features that are there. But more importantly, you become part of this global community of people from 88 different countries uh, who have joined the Global Coherence Initiative. Uh, again, just one of the many, many caring initiatives that are happening in the world today. HeartMath is doing its, its, its part in that regard through this project. But glcoherence.org and join, become a member and join the community uh, of people who are doing this. And if you want things like more real specific training on heart coherence, you know, uh, practices and techniques and all of that, we have an entire year worth of courses available through the heartmastery.com website. Can you talk a little bit about the tracking machines? There's personal tracking machines. Oh, you like that, huh? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Personal trackers, yeah. It's another feature that's inside, you know, the uh, the, the Global Coherence Initiative website. And it's, a, it's basically what it is. is um, It's a personal tracker where you, you can go in there each day or whenever you want to, and you have sliders you can move. And the sliders would be where you feel you are, right, you know, that day on your physical vitality, your emotional vitality, your social connectedness, your spiritual connectedness, and your overall well-being. And it spits back out a score for you. And so you can track yourself over time. It's self-reported. It's, it's, it's just turning out information that you put back in, but it allows you to see you know, where you are and see trends within yourself. Then there's the community tracker, uh, which is right there as well. And what it's doing is it's showing you know, the, the, the changes in the, in the community, which means all the people who have chosen to use the, um, you know, the trackers in there. And so it also marks you on the map. There's a map there, too. When you use it, it will hold you on that map for a month and it marks you on there, and you can see where people around the world are that have been using the trackers. So I'm looking at you know at it now, and I got people all over the United States and Europe. I got Saudi Arabia, I got Iraq, I got them in Australia, I have them in Chile, you know, places like that. So it gives you another visual representation of what's being who's using the trackers. Uh, so it's a nice little feature. Um, it's something that I find that for most people they use it for a little while and then they go away from it. Sort of the novelty can wear off on it. I go there, you know, a couple times a week just to keep up with it, put something in there, and um, and just go back every now and then and look at my own information and say, you know, gosh, you know, um, I can see where there's a trend going on here with my emotional vitality, and it's 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 upwards down, but it's it's trending in certain directions, and that allows me to just reflect a little bit on what I may want to do different. So when it says uh, tracking the community, how far out from where you're at? Well, it's tracking just what people self-report, so wherever they are. Uh, and when it's tracking the community, or if somebody's living in Australia and they go and use the tracker, then it, it puts that uh, hard on the map to where their Internet net provider address is. There's so many tools that you have on your website. I mean, yeah, it's remarkable. We try to provide what people need to become more heart coherent so they can participate in this more fully and... Um, and, and join again with others around the world. It's, it's one thing we can do. We can we can use the power and intelligence of our heart to affect change, regardless of where we are in the world, our economic situation, our belief systems, any of that. We all share that in common. We all come from. We all have that heart within us. And if we use it, and we join together using it, and we increase the coherence in how we're using it, I think that's one of the greatest service contributions we can make right now. Uh, 
empowerment. It's really, it's really exciting, actually. Um, but it's so glad to have you and and the group there. Um, it's so. Let me ask you: Do you have another book on the uh, horizon for yourself? Actually, I don't right now. I'm, I am working on one in consort with. Um, Three other authors here at HeartMath, Dr. Childry, Deborah Rosman, and Dr. Roland McCready, a chief of research, and maybe out in the fall. But what we're going to do this time is rather than a printed book through a publisher, and I've been offered plenty of publishing deals, but my feeling is about it is that, you know, a book would help me. A book would, you know, would advance me and my visibility, probably increase my speaking fees or whatever, but I don't feel it's necessarily the best medium right now. So the book we're developing right now is going to be electronic in nature. And it'll have links in it, so you can link out. It means maybe I'm talking about heart coherence, and it'll be highlighted in the electronic book, and you click on it, and it takes you to a video about heart coherence, rather than me having to explain it all out in a book. So it's much more interactive, and we can use it to link to PowerPoint slides, videos, audio clips, all kinds of things. So you're reading the book, and you have the flow of reading the book, but if you say, well, he just mentioned heart coherence, and he explained it a little bit, and I may say right in that chapter, and if you want to know more about heart coherence, listen to the scientists talk about it by clicking here, and then you click to some real scientists talking about it, not just me. Well, that sounds it's a, fantastic. So it's an electronic medium of doing that. The other thing I've been doing a lot of is heart mastery courses, which, again, by being able to teach and to do it through, you know, myself and the other two facilitators have recorded courses for 12 months, five courses a month, and they have PowerPoint slides and workbooks and everything, and you go and you listen to that. And then once a week for every class that we have, and there are a bunch of classes all going on at the same time, but for every class we bring that class together in a live discussion group. So I get on the phone and we actually discuss the subject matter. And so a lot of energy has gone into developing that, which could have gone into a book. But my feeling was is I can, I can reach more people in a more meaningful way this way than writing a book. Yeah. Now, can people um, listen to archives on those mastery they, courses? They sure can. And once you're in the in the class, you can listen to your archives. And if you miss your class or you miss your live discussion group, all that is recorded. You can go back and listen to it. So everything is, is re-listenable for you. So you do it in your own pace and your own time, which makes it, I think, more appropriate for people and you know the lifestyles we have today. It sure well, does. It's really accelerating everything. I, you know what is just making. Um, it's like breathing in. I got this information. Yeah. That's right. So, so we're going to do the book on heart intelligence. That's what we're working on now. When I get through with the call, I'll actually go and begin to write on it again. But it'll be a short book at first. We can add to it because it's electronic. So it'll be a short book, um, you know, and it'll be on heart intelligence. And, and there are three other contributing authors. And then I'm, I do heart mastery. And, um, again, I, I, like I said, I've had feelings about wanting to write a book. I've had plenty of offers because HeartMath Solution has done very well over the years. They consider it a classic now, this, you know, the, the seminal book on the intelligence of the heart. And I could have done that, but and it would have helped me and probably in some ways helped HeartMath. And I'm sure a lot of people would have benefited from reading it. But my feeling was is that i got to do this in alignment for the right reasons and stay in, in, in alignment with what's really best for the whole and I felt like putting my energy into other things rather than writing and promoting a book would actually be better at, at my role in the service of um, the shift right now. Uh, it gets out there quicker and uh, and uh, far more interesting, I would think, for a person to do it that way because it yeah. breaks it up from reading 
to a video to that's right. So, so that, then then sells then selling more tickets for me when I'm out speaking. But at the same time, I'll I'll defer that sort of thing in the name of service because by doing that, my whole life is how come I'm on your show today? You know. Um, well, it ups, it ups well, we're almost out of <laughs> we're almost out of time. So let's get your what I've heard so far. Three websites people might be interested in. Well. So, globalcoherence.org become a member of the Global Coherence Initiative you can go to heartmastery.com to learn about taking courses and if you'd like go to the Institute of Heart Math's website it's heartmath.org and that's where you see a lot about a lot of the things being done here at HeartMath. We have a for-profit site, too, but you can get a lot of information from any of those sites, and a lot of it's free. If you can't afford to go into HeartMath, free courses, things like that, that's okay. There are free things for you as well. Well, Howard, we've enjoyed our hour with you, and thank you so much for taking the time to be with us. Well, Well, Paul and Jess, thank you for having me. Yeah, I really appreciate it, and thank you for doing shows like this that... um, allow people to get information and things that I think are important as we try to work together to create this new world. We are sure doing that great. So thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye now. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.